what's up, everyone? Hope you're doing good. I got an interesting episode for you this week. I got to talk to Deanna Delandro. She's a musician from New Jersey, but she does a million things. She also manages a record label based out of Richmond, Virginia called Egg Hunt Records. It focuses a lot on indie rock stuff, stuff that I'm not super familiar with, but I can definitely appreciate. And it was very cool to pick her brain about how, you know, she goes about doing things for that label. A lot of the artists they worked with have gone on the sign with bigger labels and become like fucking huge too. So that was really interesting to hear about. On top of that, Deanna also helped run a music shop slash venue in Highland Park, New Jersey called Chamber 43. She was super integral to it. She basically ran the place, coordinated a lot of events, hosted open mics, you know, did the layout of the store and everything. And uh, it was cool to talk to her about that because before she did that, she ran basement shows in New Jersey in New Brunswick. So it was cool for her to, to see her mindset. Like, you know, I just want to bring people together and like throw an awesome, memorable night. And I think it paid off because that venue was super important and it still is. They're relocating now to New Brunswick. Also, Deanna's a singer. She sings in a band called Power Lines and she also does a lot of freelance singing stuff, which is awesome. Uh, she got kind of dicked out of some money recently. I saw her post about it online and that's why I asked her to come on this week to talk about that. You know, there's a lot of fishy shit out there and a lot of people promise things. And, um, she, she sang on this song that someone else, you know, they made the beat for. So she really didn't have a say of what they did. And, you know, she ended up getting kind of dicked out of getting any real money because this other guy was, you know, got tricked basically. It's all tricks, the music industry. One other thing was that she sang on a song that was in the game Rocket League, which I thought was wild. And she has a real interesting story about that. And I don't want to spoil it, but I will say, uh, fuck the guy that she worked with because he's a huge piece of shit and his music sucks now. I checked some of that out too. Lastly, I'd like to apologize to New Noise Magazine for the statements I make during this podcast. New Noise Magazine, I'm very sorry. And please feature me on the cover of your next magazine. Thank you so much. All right. Enjoy. Okay. Uh, what's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we have a special guest this week, and I have a lot of questions for them. Uh, Deanna Delandro is here. Hey. <laughs> what's up? Hey, choke artists. That's me. Is that, is that what you call your, uh, do you call your fans choke artists? I don't know if I have fans, so <laughs> I don't think that's, I can do that yet. I'll, I'll be a choke artist then. Yeah. Shout out to the choke artist nation, I guess. <laughs> yes. Well, so Deanna's a good guess because you were just, you posted about some weird shifty shit that happened to you a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to ask you about, but you also manage your own record label type thing, yes. right? And you also were a, a, an integral part to a local music venue record shop around here. Yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, you've done a lot for like local music and you seem very into music in general. Yeah. Oh Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So what, can you tell me what happened with, um, so you did a song, you collaborated with someone. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. Uh, I'm a, I am a vocalist and I do a lot of freelance work. Um, I did a lot last year, um, um, via this platform called vocalizer. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a great platform for, um, uh, producers to connect with vocalists and vice versa. Um, and through that platform, I was given a gig and, um, it was for a basically unknown producer in Italy. And it was this really fun EDM song. And I just kind of went for it and had some fun with it. And 
I think the track came out pretty nicely. Um, but that was last year. And then earlier this year, uh, the producer told me that they were going to contract the song with this record label called No Face Records. Um, so I was looking at them a little bit and it seems like they do song by song contracts. Yeah. Like that's the appeal of it. Cause I think, you know, to push back against like a lot of artists get locked into like five year things, like or five album contract, at least like more like in the past. Now it's like a lot of labels don't want to take that risk anyway. And mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of bands don't want to be tied down for that long. Cause so much is changing. I feel like with the music industry, but that right. used to be the thing, right? You were locked in with a label for years and albums. And then like, they sucked you dry. And then like, you couldn't make it work anymore. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I looked online, like threads, people talking about them and the, Someone who worked at the label is doing some damage control. Like we're a collaborative community, but, um, it, so I go on, I guess what, what happened with the track? So we were presented with a contract that yes, is for, for contracting the one song, as you mentioned, and the terms, uh, were that the song would be, the master would be, um, under the ownership of the label for 30 years one song and then um there were three contributors to the track so two producers and myself um all receiving if it were just the three of us you know posting the song online all three parts would receive an equal percentage of the royalties um and the royalty payout that they were willing to give for this one song um was 3.5 percent of the proceeds to each person um which is minuscule, um, you know, because not only, I guess, if you do the numbers, that's like almost, uh, I think, like 10 to 15 percent for the artists. And then the rest goes to the label. So, you know, the the pro, the payout is virtually nothing um, for a song that is being put out by people that aren't quite known you know, even if we were to receive all of the proceeds, it would still be <laughs> minuscule. It's not a lot. Yeah. So what did they offer you guys in exchange for signing on the single with them? Um, I, to this day, have no idea. Um, okay. <laughs> I corresponded with the uh, label representative a few times. Um, until I just exhausted my efforts because there was just radio silence, pretty much. Um, uh, I was asked if there was any type of rollout plan, if they were going to do any type of playlisting. Any, anything. Like, anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anything. And there was just no response. Um, so I kind of just let it go mostly um, because how much, how, what could I really do? if I follow up five times and there's just nothing on the other end coming back from the other end. Um, the producer had seemed quite indifferent, but I think they're also pretty new to releasing music. So, you know, maybe their expectations were different than mine. Um, but yeah, I did, I was able to get one response to the royalty deviation and I was able to get all of our, um, payouts to be at least 5%. So that was a win, but still not, not amazing. And it's off <laughs> of, uh, it's off of Spotify revenue mostly. Yeah. All of the digital streaming platforms, um, would be where the revenue streams would come from. Um, 
yeah, I, I and I don't know. If yeah, it they, sucks. It sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah, they have control of the song. You know, if they wanted to license it, they could with our approval. Um, okay, so that's something at least that can maybe turn into something. Could be, but I. It's doubtful that they are really going to go any extra mile for this song. I mean, the day that it was released as well, and the day that I made the post um, that you referenced about kind of my upset about this situation, it, it was there was just no promotion at all about the song, and um, they did a few days later like post about it with a little graphic um, on their on their, um, Instagram, but it's not, there really isn't much traffic on that. I think their account seems like they paid for followers because not many, many of the posts are interacted with or engaged to the degree of followers that they have. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love, that's one of my favorite things to do is when someone has a, a huge online presence, I audit them. Like how many people actually care? Because yeah. a lot of the internet stuff is appearances and they could have impressed this guy you did a track with like, oh, we're a record label. Like sometimes you just put yes. records behind it and everyone's mm-hmm. like, whoa, this is awesome, you know? Yeah, so. I mean, it's like you can be totally just winging it or just put yeah, present yourself as a specific entity that you just aren't or not delivering on. And that's just like my biggest concern for artists, especially young artists who don't have, um, you know, much experience with releasing music and don't really know where to start or, you know, how to protect themselves against these types of agreements and these types of, um, people who are just looking to take advantage of artists. It, I look, I'm just so angry, angered by it. And I, all I want to do for the rest of my life is like, be a part of the, you know, be a part of the the battle kind of against that, as well as, you know, just continuing to like support and uplift artists wherever I can, you know? Sure. Yeah. It's, it will always be there. There's always going to be someone who takes the opportunity and then like learns the hard way or maybe one in every 200 times it works too. Right. But it's really, it's, it's really tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Even my, even the first song I put on the internet ever, I was just kind of cutting my teeth in my understanding of the music industry. And I met a guy who produces under the name Drunk Girl and I'll name drop him. His name is Andrew Hogarth and he's a horrible person um, because he, in another, in a separate situation, took advantage of me and my young artistry by licensing a song. And well, we worked on the song together. We'd met at 90.3 The Core when I was RPM director there. And they were doing an interview in the studio and I was kind of like hanging out in the lounge, like trying to talk to some producers because I was interested in looking, collaborating with people, you know, seeing how I could be featured on tracks and start doing some songwriting. Yeah. And it's a great place to meet people. I was a DJ at the DJ at the core too. And just oh, like weird. meeting people who like love music and shit and like, you know, yeah. that's what it's all about, you know? And it seems like it could be genuine at times, but then, I mean, it is a lot of the time you make real connections with people, but then right. I guess for that to happen. Yeah, no. And it was, it, he seemed awesome. Like we kind of hit it off and our personalities mesh. And I saw, showed him a like sample of my um, of some of my work that I've been working on. And, uh, he invited me over to try to work on a track together. 
And I remember this so distinctly because it was like a really pivotal time in my life. The, um, the Pulse nightclub shooting had just happened in 2016. And I was just so distraught by that specific event. Um, specifically because of obviously the brutal murder of people in a nightclub. Um, but you know, the, uh, the fact of the matter was they were being harmed because of their sexual orientation, because they were gay, because it was a gay nightclub. Um, and, you know, for other reasons, maybe, you know, unknown to me, but this one kind of hit differently in the sense that I know and love so many people who orient themselves this way in the world. And there should be nothing wrong with that. And these people go to a space where they're just supposed to like let loose, to dance, to party, to have a good time, to be like uninhibited and not have to worry about the chaos outside the four walls, uh, the walls of the club, you know? Sure. That's a lot for a lot of those people where they go to like be themselves. Yeah. And so I was just, I was, had that like all inside me and I was presented with this track and I wrote it in like four minutes, four, four, not four minutes. That would be <laughs> light speed. Um, 45 ish minutes to an hour. It kind of just like it, it was one of those times when you're kind of writing and things just like spill out with ease because of whatever maybe you're experiencing at that point in your life. And so the song is called don't stop the party. And it's basically about that like anger and like there's this kind of like frustration with like why why do we why do people have to have this amount of hate when we all come from the same like fabric of the universe we all should just be extending an invitation to everyone like don't stop the party like don't you know and it's and we we finish it and we cut it and I come back like a few days later and um do some like maybe some harmonies, some vocal chop work. And he told me that there was a friend of his that was does licensing for video games. And one of the video games is Rocket League. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge game. So the song is licensed in that game. Whoa, really? Yeah, it was licensed for that game in 2016. And it was a, a part of like their trailer for this new map called Aquadome. And holy uh, shit, that's it huge. Plays, yeah, and it played in the main screen and it blew up like all across streaming really quickly. And you know, it still has a substantial amount of plays. Like for my first song to put on the internet, I couldn't believe the outcome of that. That's a great experience. Yeah. And I mean, it was pretty humbling, you know. And then uh, I was told and on paper and verbally agreed with this producer that I would receive, you know, 50% of the royalties just from streaming. But there wasn't, obviously we licensed it for free for exposure and that worked entirely. On the second month, like the first month, he kind of gave me my payout, showed me the bit of the stats from CD Baby. And then the second month, he was like, yeah, well, this is the last month I'm going to pay you. Uh, yeah, so I'm not really going to talk to you ever again, basically. And um, shit. said something along the lines of like, welcome to the music industry. Just like uh, God. a big, yeah. And that was like, and I was like, oh no. And I didn't know what to do. It was blocked on everything. And like, you know, it's just an insane. Like this happens to people like 
And, and even that, so even then I didn't even have the confidence that I have now to, to speak up about it and use a plat, use my social platforms in a way that might be able to inform others. Yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't say anything about it in 2016. And that was even arguably worse of an outcome than this more recent um, issue. And like, you know, shout out to my awesome entertainment lawyer, Henderson Cole, who like helped me through that when I was ready, Yeah, you know? That's great. Um, And we got a bit of a settlement, but it was, it was hard and it was weird. And that's really tough. So was, there was a contract (laughs) on paper and then they just like, he was like, Uh, the licensing agreement. Yeah. And then the kind of like verbal, like, yeah, I'm going to definitely just give you the 50%, you know, of, of the songwriting royalties that you're owed. The percentages are available for like public knowledge on like BMI and all of, you know, the publishing information. but there wasn't a written agreement or anything about that specific payout, um, which was my, you know, my naivety at the time. Sure. Yeah. And it was like, licensed to, it was like his, he had all the credit for the song or. No, we both had 50% of the credit. And yeah. even in the light, in the licensing agreement, it says that as well. So, you know, we, it, yeah, it, it was just a bummer, like taking it as further than we did in like court and like settlement agreements would have cost more than it would be worth. Sure. You know what, then the probably maybe that with the payouts would it be, but it's just unfortunate because that's a little bit of money I could be getting like monthly, quarterly. Yeah. Passive income as, as little, yeah. As little as it is, you know, that's a meal. Even if it's 20 bucks. Yeah. Who cares? It's it's yours. You know, (laughs) you're a part of that song. Like I know, you know, No, you're good. Uh, that's like really a really grimy move. Oh yeah, to do to someone. Are, is that person still active, like in music? Um, or? Not, not so much. It seems I truly have not communicated with with that person since. Um, there were even some some other incidences that were just even more of a nail in the coffin for any of that aspect yeah. of that relationship. But. Um, yeah, just just overall unfortunate because I felt really played. Like I thought we had a good rapport. I thought our personalities meshed. Like yeah. you know, it just completely blindsided by this, uh, by that uh, when it happened. Yeah, yeah. and he, he could even have good intentions, and then when like a lot of money started coming in, he was like, "Fuck this, it's all mine." You know, yeah. well, you know, I got us in the game, and like you know, it's, yeah. so, it's so easy to go back on your word without a contract or represent. You know, it just sucks. I'm sorry to yeah. deal with that. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, but that's like the reason why I, I just don't want anyone to have to deal with that kind of stuff ever. Yeah. Like, I, 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 you know, it's so money oriented in the large part of the music industry. It makes sense because everyone needs to make a living. Yeah. Um, when you have people on salary, it becomes a different game. Like, a lot of labels are funded by other people and like they just kind of have to acquiesce to whatever to make things work, you know? Right. It's hard. Yeah, it's yeah. When money when money gets involved, it really can you could really can uh, bring out the worst in people sometimes, depending really, on the really situation. Tests, really test your integrity. About yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've done freelance stuff <laughs> since then. Uh, what was the site you were saying? Vocalizer. Vocalizer. Yeah. Um, so did did you get paid at least for this commission on the new song? 
Yeah. Like that was basically like a work for hire. So type, you know, type deal, but I was still, they were still like, yeah, and we'll still give you like a part of the contract. And in the future, once a song was released, like we'll still give you a portion of the royalties too. The agreements on that site can, can vary. Sometimes they're just strictly work for hire. Um, and you get paid to record, perform the song and then you don't receive any royalties and the producer kind of just takes the track and handles it or there can be different arrangements depending. Yeah, makes sense. You can work it out however you see fit. If it's a song that you think will not, no one will care about, you can be like, pay me more Yeah, and you'll still do it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, But, you know, I, I, that, that site does, uh, have a lot of benefits in that, in that sense, like you can kind of craft and, and you can craft how you work with someone. And you also like the, on the producer end can really make sure the budget is known. Anybody who's interested in the gig is aware of the terms, you know, so it, it's, it's pretty like open. And I, I think that's like very smart so that by the end, you're not blindsided by, anything um from what like the original agreement is yeah um do you have is it like an online portfolio sort like does it have samples of you singing or yeah yeah there so there are two types of ways to uh work with somebody and collaborate on this platform one of them is like it's called um i would say a, a gig it's called just a gig and then uh you can basically the producer will put the kind of demo and then the like budget that they have and then vocalists will bid like within that budget um what they would receive for um the for for doing the song and then there's like a little vocal reel for each person similar artists that they're related to maybe some social links and that all is like filed under that specific gig and then there's a contest, which is like um, they put the demo up. They have a specific amount that they decide on that would be rewarded to um, the artist. And you have to submit the demo, like a vocal idea to that. That's sick. It's very cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> like 10 years ago, that wouldn't exist. It'd just be like a Craigslist ad or like a yeah. sign a sign in a guitar center or Sam Ash, like vocalist. Yeah. Wanted. So yeah, I give, yeah. I, I give you respect for being able to like, cause you do need a work ethic to do it for, to do like session work. I do some session mm-hmm. work and it's, it's a, it's harder in some ways for drums. Cause like I have to set up eight mics and like all these wrapped in cables and stuff, but it's, it's, it's just as challenging in a lot of ways, like the creative aspect for what you have to do. And like, you know, you're still mm-hmm. t- putting a lot in your performance and everything. So I, I give you a lot right. of credit for doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine doing like. I, a I wish remote. I could just set up one mic and be like, "Ah, oh, it's yeah. good." Room <laughs> mic, fuck it, it's good. It's drums, but yeah. How often do you do? Do you do session gigs like remotely in your house? Yeah, I've been with your I, kit. I did vibraphone on one song recently. I did a uh, trumpet and tambourine and like glockenspiel on like an emo band. Actually, a band from Jersey, Ogbert the Nerd. They're called. Hmm. It's uh. Maddie James, they've, they've been to uh chamber a bunch too. They've come to some shows, but, um, okay. Um, you know, I've done stuff mostly this year was for free, I think, but like the year before I did more for pay, mm-hmm. it was cool. It's just like, 
I'm like too much of a band guy. I'm like, I'm always working on stuff with all of the bands I'm playing in. Mm-hmm. At least this year. I would love next year to sit, tell all the bands that like, all right, I'm going to like focus on my own shit now and like get paid. <laughs> yeah, you definitely know? focus on you. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice. I know I have too many eggs in the like, the band basket of like, I want to tour whenever that happens. Who fucking knows with everything? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. Who there's really no way to know. It feels like it just yeah. feels like a long, <laughs> far away dream at this point. Keeps getting pushed, but the goalpost like keeps moving. Like, yeah. So we'll see. But I, I think it's really cool. Like the power of the internet for better or worse. I mean, sometimes you can get dicked around for sure. Yes. Yes. You know, I've been able to smell it more when people are like providing me like false opportunities. I'm like, this doesn't make yeah. any sense, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's easy in the beginning. Cause you're naive. You're excited. Yes. You, you know, just with a big name, just like if someone with more followers than you sometimes reaches out to you, it's like, Oh, this is a big opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. You could be totally manipulated. Totally. Yeah. Manipulated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard, especially because so much of the industry has changed mm-hmm. in 10 years. D- digital digital streaming, the revenue is 80% of the music industry now. Mm-hmm. So that's like the majority of it. Physicals yeah. are like not really. Oh, yeah it's, so sad. yeah. it's so sad. It's incredible that people still make physicals. <laughs> Just yeah. <kidding>. Well, <laughs> like CDs are like what, what there's like. They're basically like demos. You have to basically force people to take CDs and they're not going to listen to them at this point. So vinyl, yeah, vinyl. There's like a, <laughs> Go yeah, on, sorry. Oh, no, no. Um, yeah, well, vinyl definitely, I feel like, is more, yeah, more sought after than than CDs for it's sure. Or, CDs. or tapes. It passed oh, yeah. CDs a couple years ago, yeah. Yeah. Which is um, cool. Yeah. I mean, what for CDs, I feel like there's a very small percentage of people that like still listen to CDs in their car you know, maybe, or like have a nice old stereo that they like still listen their CDs on, um, or are in radio, you know, you, you still need to make CDs for radio campaigns. Cause a lot of radio stations on, still only operate on CDs or physicals, which is still kind of awesome. Like I all, I think most of my CD collection is from the core, like from my <laughs> time there. Um, you know, and I still play them in my car every now and then. Yeah. I mean, the, the appeal of physical formats to me now is that like, if I put a record on, I can't have like a short attention span and I have to like sit through it, like the whole thing, like A and B. And -hmm. I think with uh, Spotify and stuff, sometimes you lose that, especially, Mm -hmm. but the cool thing about Spotify is you can make your own playlists and everything. Yes. You know? Yeah. The discovery there, the discovery features on Spotify and Apple, I think are, are really cool. Like you would probably you can get into a world of music that you would not have, you know, prior, like just with physical media, being in a record store, having to dig and really listen to, um, you know, aspects of a vinyl on the listening station or, you know, something similar. And, um, but I, what I kind of ache for now is I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm becoming more and more out of touch with like albums, um, and I, I like, I've definitely just have to like, I've been training myself to like continue the lust for the album. You know what I mean? Like thinking about albums that like you want to put on for a certain type of mood. 
I feel like is a skill now. And a lot of people do still have that skill, but I feel like I, I've lost some of it in this like very digital oriented age. So I literally like make time for vinyl because I feel like I want to like reacquaint myself with albums. Does totally. that make sense? You know? Yeah. I think that is some of the the organic appeal of a record label now is like they curate a sound or they curate artists that you fuck with. And then you're like, all right, well, they put this out. Maybe I can put this album on and dig some of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, well, speaking of you, you do run or manage a, a record label, right? Yeah, so, I manage Egg Hunt Records that's so based out of Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. Why Why is that not a shady record label like uh, No Face? <laughs> well... <laughs> For a myriad of reasons. Uh, first of all, you know, we're very transparent. Um, we are having so many, I mean, if we're talking about like specifically before signing an artist, I guess that'll be a good like way to exempl- exemplify this. Like there is, there are so many different forms of communication that start off a relationship with an artist and all of that communication is always and always continued throughout the entire process. Um, we really believe in like collaboration, like the, this pro like the process, the label representative to artists shouldn't be one-sided. Um, it should be a complete collaboration. Um, and all, you know, specific terms should be can, can and should be negotiated, talked about and really, um, catered to the comfortability of the artist. Um, so we really, uh, it's a huge focus for us. Um, and I think that it, a lot of independent labels do have that ethos, but it's, it's so easy to, to get like, I don't know, to just like, you know, make a, a platform and, and like lose sight of, of the things that are really important to, um, that kind of relationship. Um, yeah, I think that's like our, our, probably our biggest strong suit and we're, you know, completely personable people. Um, we care about everyone we work with like deeply, not just their art, but them as like people. And we, you know, we value their work. We know how long it took them to make it. We know why we value it. We want to, we know why we want to promote it and spend all this money and time, um, building it up. Um, because all we want to do is see them excel. Like our, our, our kind of, um, one of our, I guess, mission statements is like, I I call it a kind of like incubator, like (laughs) not just because it's like egg hunt, it does play into the branding Uh, of it, Sure, but (laughs) but it is like, it is the reality of it. We have fostered a lot of young artists that have gone on to bigger labels that kind of grow so big that we can't even, you know support them to where they have, um, you know, grown to like the level that they've grown to. Um, and we kind of pride ourselves in that, you know, everyone, nothing is forever. Like if the relationship continues, it's like, that's amazing. Um, but if they're ready, you know, for these bigger opportunities, these larger platforms, that's like even better. We're like so proud that we could have fostered them in the beginning at all, you know? That's a good way to look at it. And then like long run, that will also help you because people will dig through their band's catalog and then dig through your labels catalog and everything. Right. So. Like our most, uh, our most well-known alumni is Lucy Dacus, which a lot of 
sub uh, artists who submit to uh, the label um, for possible collaborations uh, are oftentimes are you know find the label through that through that connection, um, which you know makes a lot of sense. She's an absolutely incredible artist and has you know gone on has you know done so many incredible things since her time with Egg Hunt. Yeah, that's that's big of you guys to realize too that like, you know, we can't handle this what this band needs anymore and like they want to move on, so like maybe it's, it's the right time. Yeah, yeah, it's the reality of the situation like we're a, you know, small a smaller label um that's oftentimes local oriented. There's a lot of r- amazing music out of Richmond. Um and you know, like yeah, we're not <laughs> we're not going to try to just like keep this artist because we see how big they are, you know, it's, it's just not the reality of the situation. Our resources are basically, you know, limited in that sense um, because we're a small label. Yeah. Um, And it's more indie rock, rock alternative stuff. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of, yeah, a lot of indie rock. There's some harder punk stuff um, on the, uh, in our repertoire and then you know some more uh, some pop popper leaning stuff popper popish <laughs> what are genres <laughs> yeah they're, they're all fake it's all fake words so um, yeah and, uh like this past year we put out this incredible i would call it indie country or alt country um record um by this artist called doe eyes um her name's ali her actual name is Ali Thibodeau and she put out an incredible record this year probably one of my favorites we also put out another incredible singer songwriter um whose artist name is Thin Lear his name is Matt um also an absolutely stunning record so yeah I guess like all in that you know a lot of a lot of stuff in in the vein of like indie singer songwriter yeah indie rock alt rock but then also you know we kind of uh I would say like expand in and out of those kind of neat, that kind those niches. Sure, it's never pigeonholed to, you know. Right. Like we also put something... out a shoegaze record this year. Yeah. If you like it, you like it. It could still work with the vibe. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny because like a lot, a few bands I have worked with have been approached by bigger labels and I'm always like, fuck, like, I'm like, no, stay. Like, Cause I'm very indignant to, cause it's like math rock, emo, punk shit and like i'm very indignant to what the music industry is a lot of the time because when it gets really big i get that people have a like you know they have a family to feed or whatever but like gets really big then it gets to like pay to play shows you have like local bands selling tickets because the band seems cool and like a lot of just fake like it's just it gets weird at a point so like i'm always like I'm always like kind of upset when a band wants i get it always i'm like yo do whatever is best and like it's cool but uh, one of the bands I worked with in the past was approached by a bigger label and they told me recently they were like because they did their their newest album with them and recently they were like yeah like it was a mistake I should have stayed with you and it it made me feel so good <laughs> it did yeah. I, it's shitty because like I wanted them to do well I wasn't like mad when they you know they signed with the label I'm like that's amazing but like when they told me that I was like word like it made me feel like I was doing something right you know yes well, sometimes it's not about the the deal or maybe even like the or the legacy of the label. Sometimes it's so much about the relationship. Like 
you know, I think that is to be said a lot for like management, you know, like a lot of artists will stay like when you find, when they find, it's kind of like finding a therapist, I think too, probably like when you like, (laughs) when you find like your right person, it's like you're in sync. Like it's so much easier to operate and it's comfortable. And if they're, you know, really performing well for you and getting these opportunities, sometimes it's like, it's just best to continue growing with each other as opposed to like going to a crazy, to universal to have a really horrible 360 deal that they own your life and your likeness and in all known universes and yeah. all that. But yeah. that, that was, that was the dream. Like in the past, like 20 years ago, you would have kind of, it would have, I guess, no, a lot of people still got boned and it still didn't work out. But like, <laughs> It always seems so ideal. Like, this is it. Like, making it. Remember when, like, making it was an idea? Like, oh, we made it. Like, there's yeah. a line you, line you cross, and then all of a sudden, like, your life is set. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, my God. I don't think that's – I don't even know – I don't even know if, like, somebody – like Billie Eilish would be like, well, you know what? She's probably like, yeah, I made it. Cause she got like six Grammys. Okay. <laughs> maybe that's a horrible, but they're, but they're still working. They're still working right. artists. The landscape has changed a lot. There's less rock stars, which I think is good. Cause like they were grimy in a lot of ways, like, you know, <laughs> abusive people and like, you know, celebrity culture still exists and that that's fine. But mm-hmm. I think social media kind of did pull the curtain back in a lot of ways. And I think right. that was necessary. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting how how much closer we can. I guess not closer, but how much more celebrities are are willing to share on social media as opposed to maybe you know a couple years ago or like twenty years ago um, when these platforms just weren't even a thing, and you know it would be really annoying to have paparazzi. I mean, I guess that still exists, but. It's like they're their own paparazzi now. Too, yeah. Though. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. Like, and that, yeah, that's just like a different kind of willingness to share. I don't know. It's, like they, I bet they have managers for their social media. Like, oh, sure. Once it gets to like a high enough level. So, yeah. I mean, oh my God. Brit- Britney Spears' dad and her Instagram, like that's a whole mess, right? Oh yeah. I've, I've, heard a bit about that there are some weird conspiracies around that do you know about that yeah well i don't know if they're i think they're real but i don't i can't are they uh, yeah i don't know because they'll be like brit in the comments they'll be like britney wear red in the next video if you need help and then she'll like be wearing red but it'll say like hey everyone i'm totally fine there's weird i forget there's a, a conservative not conservatory the dad basically owns all of her music owns her social media is like her um he speaks for her like with yeah. music reps and stuff. And that's how it was since she was a kid, but I don't think it ever changed. Mm. So like, it's, yeah, it's yeah. sad. It's, it's something, sad. yeah, there's something not, not kosher going on with, yes. uh, with that. Yeah, yeah. It's very unfortunate. Oh God. Yeah. It's really sad. Um, <sighs> I think you get it. People get a taste of money and shit gets weird, you know, cause that was back yeah. in the day when there was a lot, a lot of, I mean, I guess there still is now. Mm-hmm. Money. I don't know. I don't really see it. Like I, I barely consider what I do a record label. I, mm-hmm. I, I complain when people put like choke artist records and like mm-hmm. press things. Cause I don't know. I'm a very stupid, like cynical DIY guy. It's really just me <laughs> putting money into pressing records and then ma- doing mail order, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to think that like there's a sound curated 
and like I'm helping bands. Like I'll book shows and stuff too. And like, you know, I do, I try to do stuff that I think people will enjoy. Like, you know, talking to different people and their experiences too, you yeah. know, but, um, it's just, yeah, I like that idea. I like that idea of, uh, you know, being more than just a label, like actually fostering a, a certain type of community, um, within within the entity offering a bit more than just like a, an LP or a cool artist and artworks and more and also a way to engage with the people who put out the music as well as all of the artists collectively maybe and and maybe doing that by like specific type of shows like what you do and um you know that's definitely super interesting and and beautiful concept i think also in like the indie label world there are some labels that really strike that incredible balance of like being really human especially online is is like where i you know enter and see and interact with a lot of these companies um of, of being like super human and like down to earth and not just like this like new lp is out today and you can get it on bandcamp and then like end of sentence like end of any kind of personality or interest in the like, yeah, the yeah. fans or it, audience. It's funny. Yeah. Cause that would be considered like, like people want a genuine connection now with like anything, like any mm-hmm. brand, but like back in the day that would, would maybe seem unprofessional. Like, why are you talking like a human? You're a corporation. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. I like that. that that's kind of getting stripped back a little bit and we're kind of just like, yeah leaving more of the bullshit on the cutting room floor and maybe like <laughs> just totally. like being cool. <laughs> yeah. That, that's so much of it. Like it's, I don't know why people pretend that it's anything else except like being nice and re- working with artists you'd like and helping release oh. their music, you know? Oh God. Yeah. Like if it was only that easy to just like <laughs> literally be nice and, and want to work with the people that you're working with. Like, I think that's like my baseline. Like I can say that I do that. Like I am nice <laughs> and work with people that I like to work with and I'm passionate about it, but there's just layers and layers of of things that need to happen in order to really make it work and you know that's the work like and that's why you know the fuel the fuel is that baseline passion though you know totally Uh, yeah i agree it makes you more willing to put up with the other stuff (laughs) yeah exactly do do you um deal with you do go through the submissions for the label yeah yeah i do receive submissions in my inbox not not too many, honestly. It's just interesting. But um, I also help with A&R um, by just, you know, researching um, artists, getting in touch with artists that I like or, you know, are interested in collaborating with as well. Yeah. I mean, that's all super helpful stuff, I think, like to do. Um, A&R is like working with press outlets. A&R is uh, stands for like artists and repertoire. It's essentially, um, you know, the process of searching for artists and then, you know, how they kind of live in your catalog, um, that, and, you know, and then how your relationship with them, like, you know, just basically reaching out to artists, young artists that you see have potential, or, you know, maybe artists that have made a specific name for themselves and 
just basically saying, hi, I love your music. Like, I think if anybody watching this has gotten an email from me, like an A&R email, the subject line has literally said, hey, I love your music. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what I usually open with <laughs> because I feel like it's important to really, you know, just reach out as a fan for like primarily um, because that's like the catalyst for like you're talking to them anyway. Um, and then just be like, I would love to know like what's going on in your musical journey, who you are, why you're doing this. And then maybe like possibly collaborating who knows, but, um, but yeah, that's actually some of the best work I think involved in a label is just creating relationships that way is really cool for me. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you do have that approach, like as a fan first, you know, because mm-hmm. then worst case, they reply back and say, thanks. We're not looking to take anything on right now. But like, oh, yeah. 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 I've gotten that over and over again, you know, yeah. and it's it's totally fine. But then it's cool. It's like even to maybe maybe down the line, they have something, another type of release that they think they could be good for um, our roster. Like that's a connection they can just go back to, you know in their email and the archives of their brain and be like, Oh, I remember that person. They seemed nice <laughs> and interested in my music. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That c- it counts for something, you know, yeah. especially if, if what you're Never doing. Know. Yeah. And you're working with artists <laughs> in a fair way and you're, you have a sound and you promote the albums, right. Through different. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I've done like a 180 on press in the past like year. Cause again, cynical, old guy. Um, but I've been like, all press is stupid. You have to pay for it. It's like, who cares? Like if people want the music, they'll find it on Bandcamp. But like, mm-hmm. I think the reality is that a lot of times people don't, cause there's so much out there, right? Yeah. Like a lot of, a lot of stuff everywhere, hitting you at every angle, paid ads, oh, yeah. like, you know, so if there's a site you trust, or if you see a band that you've heard of is featured on a site, you might be more likely to click, click it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, sometimes, absolutely. Sometimes it's bullshit. I think, uh, like new noise magazine in particular, I've seen, I've had labels tell me, and like, I think you pretty much, you pay for a publicist to get them to feature on your site, at least on the low level. And like, it's a, it's a long standing punk. It's a long standing publication zine. Sure. Yeah, done great things. Them. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I, I've heard that they kind of, you know, you're just, you're getting people to click on their site and giving them traffic for what, just like for a name attachment to it. Right. Mm-hmm. I should probably edit this part out. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I will say like, yeah, the PR surrounding an album release is important. I feel yeah. like, um, especially artists just kind of, you know, maybe doing their first release or something, getting, getting their name out there, making it search really searchable, online because it's been covered in a couple outlets it really can act as a part of a resume for an artist it goes into your epk um you know for other people to feel it it legitimizes artists um you know unfortunately like of course like we wish that the music could just stand alone the artistry could just stand alone and the people that are most importantly like gravitated towards it, 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 that would just be it, you know, and it would just make its way through the noise because of it. Um, but that's just unfortunately not the reality. Yeah. And, um, 
it also, I guess, is there is something to be said for great music writing and for your music to be compelling enough to music writers to really, uh, you know, pick apart and dissect and just like live with and, and interpret through language, I think is insane. Like, I feel like music writers really just don't get like enough of enough love anywhere, not in their paychecks, not on the (laughs) internet. Like, and it is just an absolute, like, absolutely beautiful um, craft. I think it it takes a lot of, a lot of passion and knowledge to be able to consistently write about music and do it well. Definitely doing it well. Like it's, it's a skill, you know, I've I've had to write like four sentences about releases that I've done. (laughs) takes me like an hour to get it like perfect, you know, yeah. like, to a point where I'm happy with it. Oh but, yeah. But I, I think you are right about a lot of the press stuff. And I think I am just too like uh shitty about that stuff sometimes. <laughs> and I have kind of turned a leaf on it where you want to get people as excited about a release as you can, right? Mm-hmm. You want the band to feel like they're important. Cause I've definitely done releases over the years where the band was like, what the fuck did you even do for us besides pay for vinyl? Like I, I will definitely admit that like the first few years I did this, I didn't really understand. I had a flip phone until 2014. <laughs> I just added the loop about stuff. You know, I, I, I'd like to think I'm doing a little better now. And I think the past year, it's been like the most consistent as far as we're like releases and everything. But a lot matters with going into press and everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's huge. Um, I actually started out the year as a uh, three months before the pandemic hit, I got a job as a tour publicist. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, that's what I was like on uh, one of my positions. Also, I, you know, do the label management and I started as a tour publicist three months prior to March. So yeah, like around, uh, you know, December, January. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, just felt like I was kind of getting in a groove <laughs> and then I had to really completely pivot and do live stream press, which is <laughs> admittedly harder <laughs> sure. than tour press. Um, Cause everyone's figuring it out on the fly. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, like, I, I think it's, it is a, it is a real thing. I've been kind of playing it off like, Oh, it's not even a thing that people do. And I feel like a lot of press people are probably less inclined to try because there are just infinite live streams, it seems, and they're happening. They could just be, you know, an artist playing songs in their room, or they could be a really cool fleshed out bill that is raising, uh, raising money for charity, which, you know, those kinds of things like get, you know, more traction and will probably be more frequently listed on sites that do list live streams. But a lot of sites don't even have, like, they just don't have the the space or time to like list them all, even if you submit them, you know, or, you know, send a pitch to somebody who does the listings at a given site. Um, it, but your live stream has to be like extra mega compelling to get a write up about it. Um, So, you know, and I think there are some that, that have successfully been able to receive that type of press, but yeah, it's a totally different, uh, world. Um, it's totally different approach. And that was an interesting learning curve. Um, and I feel like I'm still learning about it all the time. 
Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, I guess, money that artists make is through touring. Like the majority yes. of money that an artist makes in 2020 was, well, not this year, but I guess, you know, in the past few years is through that. And now it's just been taken away. So it's, it's oh, yeah. fucking hard. Definitely. Yeah. Cause even, yeah, the ticket sales and then a lot of, a lot more people are inclined to buy the physical product, a t-shirt, any type of merch item at the gig when they either maybe maybe they just saw the artist for the first time they didn't know them before go over to the merch table make a new connection buy a t-shirt or you know this is like a band that somebody loves and they strictly want to buy the vinyl at the show it's just so much easier to convince i feel like it you know uh, a fan a concert goer to buy well, an album when you're at the show they're there and they're, yeah. they're probably on a dopamine high because they just saw you play as long yeah. as you were good and they're like i love this band i want to support them i want to rep them you know i want to yeah. wear their merch so yeah saw, it's a bummer I, yeah <laughs> it's hard i saw a band sell they had a they did a live show it aired over the weekend and uh they had an exclusive vinyl variant at the live show so you buy a ticket to this live show and then at the end you like you can add this record to your cart and that seems like a pretty cool thing yeah. to do too you know it's Smart. yeah you got you got to do something because they just released an album like a couple months ago and then like it was amidst all of this happening mm -hmm. so no touring right yeah like, so you pay people to stream you on their tv and that's yeah <laughs> <laughs> with a good sound system it's cool like i think it it's cool you know yeah. if, you, if it's done right i guess i think it, i think this is a really good time for introverts you know yeah you don't have to leave your house like <laughs> see your favorite artist <laughs> um play a show you can just play on your your um your tv i guess it is cool now that it is winter time <laughs> to literally only have access to shows online you don't have to brave the cold but obviously i truly miss live shows probably more than than anything right now yeah yeah it's uh it sucks you know that was a lot of what i did just yeah. oh. week on weekends you know <laughs> truly didn't really realize how much of my social life and like going out was really actually <laughs> just shows <laughs> versus anything else yeah yeah just, you know at least like a couple a month and now it's just zero you know yeah yeah so well so you you booked a lot for chamber right yes yeah so chamber we should 43 we should talk about your involvement there a little bit because you were a big part of it for a while right i was i was i sure was i um <laughs> i uh yeah i started out working there hmm Wait, for the listeners, this is a record shop in Highland Park, right? Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, they actually just moved uh, to New Brunswick. Yeah, yeah, on George Street, right? Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I started working there in 2017 in the summer, and it was just like the super early stages. This is like phase one of Chamber 43. The, the older, smaller location. Ye, right? Yeah, ye old. Yeah, this. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was uh, a, like my dream job, honestly, um, from the minute I started working there. Not only was I starting to meet some incredible people that I'd be surrounded by for the next um, 
two to three years. Um, but I was really able to like cultivate the community there. Like there weren't shows there really before I came on. Um, I had a lot of new types of ideas. I was tapped into the DIY music scene in New Brunswick. So I was able to book so many bands from New Brunswick and really pull that community towards Highland Park a bit and in like an interesting way. Um, an experiment with different types of shows, theme shows, um, open mics, which were some of my favorite moments of my life, just like running an open mic, um, meeting people who perform at open mics and then becoming, you know, not like, I guess not just like a local to them, but like really just this interesting, cool relationship where it's like, they would either frequent every week or you wouldn't see them for a while and they'd come back and it'd be like, Oh, where you been? Like, you know, that kind of just like camaraderie, like so absolutely gorgeous. And I, yeah, I definitely want, um, to re to, to continue, um, that kind of curation, um, event coordination and like, hospitality basically like in the future um once you, you, you know definitely live helped, events reappear yeah you you definitely helped cultivate something there where like there was regulars like people would just come to hang because it was a cool spot also yeah. like records antiques and everything the vibe was like always cool and there was always cool events you know mm-hmm. so oh yeah it was great um yeah i it was one of the it was the first time i was really able to have a large, large, if not all, uh, of this type of creative control, um, in a space that was like a legitimate business that needed someone to do this. Um, I, I I wasn't really like guided or taught how to do it. I mean, I, I just knew, like, I know how to throw parties and like, I, I started throwing shows in my basement. Um, I had a basement venue, like years prior to this. So like, it was just already something I knew I enjoyed. I knew like everything that I needed. I could, you know, I can moderately like mix a live band, you know, like with a shitty PA and, you know, make it work. I like, you know, all of that kind of, kind of stuff was like already kind of in my, in my skill set in a very DIY way. And then this was still like mostly DIY, but I was able to really like flex my creativity and like, yeah, the the entire curation design. I would, any of the like stuff hanging from the ceiling, anything visual that was in the space was all me. Like, you know, the placement of stuff, the way the store looked at all was really facilitated by me. Um, And yeah, I was really proud of a lot of, a lot of shows, a lot of the versatility, the diversity of the shows, um, that happened there, um, how much we were able to involve and incorporate throughout my time there was like really special. Um, and yeah, ever, and, and it wouldn't have been as special if it wasn't for the people who came, like, obviously that's what makes the event is like the people who actually show up, who show interest, who want to know about the music, who want to like talk to you about the store. Like it's just so rewarding. Totally. It, that's a rare thing to see as a record, a freestanding record store slash venue, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think people in this area, especially cherished it. I did. I always thought it was like the sickest thing that it could even exist. 
Because like <laughs> the logistics of something like that existing, like especially cost of money wise, like doesn't make sense a lot of the time. It's like, oh yeah. It's, and it's so, oh yeah. It's not like we were like uh, rolling in cash, you know, yeah, like yeah. I, yeah, there was, there were a lot of nights, like a lot of shows where you just either break even on any type of costs or make almost no money. Cause all of the proceeds would go right back to the artists, you know, like we didn't really keep a lot of those ticket sales. Like a lot of the time it was just straight back to the artists because even if we kept like, we, we would maybe try to keep like 15% if that, you know, that's like, depending on the type of show is just, it's like, it could be like $9 for us, for example. Sure. And then by that point, like whenever I, we would just be like, just give that to the artists, <laughs> yeah. give it to the artists because, you know, a lot of people are taking so much time out of their life to come like play a 45 minute set like at least that's gas money for if it's a touring band, you know, whatever, like, you know, and obviously like they, all bands are like free to sell their merch. All they keep all the proceeds for that. We would even buy a lot of records from bands, you know, too. So we would be, we would spend a, probably a lot more <laughs> than we would be earning. But you're putting sure. back, you put back into a community and then like people wanted to keep coming because they felt like they were part of something too. Yeah. You yeah. know? So, yeah. All the shows I ran there, they were always super fair. I ran shows later, like 2019, maybe one in 18, but they were always super fair to me there with like running in. I always appreciated it. And then like a lot of people who came were like, this place is awesome. I want to buy an ant. I want to buy something that the store is selling just to support it. So yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was, was nice when that's what also would help us is during those shows. Um, you know, more, we would get certain a totally different pool of, of people coming in. So they maybe hadn't already gone through all of our collection or see something quirky and interesting in the antique section that they liked and would end up buying it at the shows. Um, and sometimes we profit a lot, um, for that reason. So it did help, you know, sales, uh, for the store when shows did happen some, some nights, not every, not all the time. Sure. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, think, I think part of that too, is the way you made the store look like like a cool place to be and like records are out and there's antiques. So you're definitely a big part of it, you know? So I always, oh, yeah. I always appreciated that. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. I know. I know how, how much of an important role I played and I was really just like, so happy to, to be a kind of, I don't know, like a grounding energy for it. Like I, I loved it. Like it was truly, I felt like I was supposed to be there, you know, when I was there, like, just talking to everyone, like greeting people, meeting people, making sure all the artists have like stuff that they need. Like, yeah, it just really felt. And, and then, and then, yeah. And then like during the day, like making the window, like, designing the window and, uh, or whatever. And, you know, just making sure stuff is placed in cool ways and experimenting with like the shops, like orientation. It was just like an art, project for me all the time and I loved it I loved all of it and I was I'm so glad that like people who came in and were able to experience like something like different and interesting and were able to you know just like be a part of be a part of it at all like I'm I'm so glad to hear like that that is just like a stark memory for you <laughs> yeah totally yeah 
So yeah, thank you again. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, that was actually the one. My the, pleasure. <laughs> the only time I ever did a stand-up comedy set was the Switch Up show, where you did like a rent monologue, right? So I yeah, talked about I talked about doing. That was, I was just thinking. <laughs> yeah, I talked about doing an open mic set. You were so good. That I practiced. Thank you. But you were so good. <laughs> it was fun. That, that uh, whole bill was absolutely that insane. Was a fucking, that was such a fun show. It was so good. Yeah, front to back. It was so good. Like, <laughs> I was blown away because all of the people who were doing, I mean, obviously, Ch kudos to Chelsea Morosky. Shout yeah, out Chelsea for totally. conceptualizing this because it's like a be awesome concept. And then it was, it's so cool, especially in the community, like being local and seeing these people who you only know, like by doing music <laughs> yeah. come out and just like completely like not do that and like do comedy and then kill it. Like all of you guys were like <laughs> closeted comedians. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. We were, I'd wanted to do that for like years. And then Chelsea had asked me, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Let's go one month to try to write something that is okay. <laughs> and I was so nervous though. I was practicing in my house, silent, in a silent room by myself, just like, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, your monologue was really cool too. That was like yeah, awesome thanks. to see. Yeah. That was, I also practiced that in a, in a room alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scary stuff. There's no bands. There's no music behind me. Just, you know, behind us. Just mm -hmm. so, Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That was oh, such a good show. Wow. God. Seems like that's the stuff that I missed for sure. It was like <laughs> going to see comedy. Yeah. It's like a Monday. <laughs> totally. What And what else is there to do on a fucking Monday? Yeah, anyway? like, you know? Yeah. Go have a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, so ha have things been going okay with working for your label? Like working with Egg Hunt? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it kind of, it's really cool. Uh, I love this, like my favorite, um, type of work along with events and curation and all of that world as well. Um, we have so far like two, uh, re really incredible releases lined up for, um, next year. So we're kind of, you know, in the plotting, um, phase of, of that. And uh, in large part, you know, we, really have everything ready for the rollout, but just kind of, you know, putting together different types of strategy, marketing stuff, all, all is in the process right now. And, um, we actually this year, um, merged with Northern spy label group that's based in Brooklyn. Um, so we now have, uh, a really interesting and intricate ways of operating, um, uh, that are not have been just like completely beneficial to our organization, um, budgeting, um, you know, different types of marketing, and then just like expanded resources like PR, radio, all in house now. Um, and it opens up the team in this in this really beautiful way. Like there's four labels associated with the label group, so it's Egg Hunt, Ramp Local, NNA Tapes, and Northern Spy. And now we have basically that's like all of the labels in this group uh, kind of function in a bit of a team oriented way, especially when vetting new releases for any, any label. There's a lot of like feedback, um, 
given from uh you know all different all of the labels label representatives and even even publicists and just um you know that process is is really like really cool um because you can just see how a lot of people view the music view the potential of the music versus it being just me and the ceo of icon the owner of icon um his name's adam henseroth he's a cool dude nice (laughs) Um, but yeah, like just having this kind of really solid infrastructure has been super beneficial to the small, to a small, a small label like us. So I'm really excited to see how it, uh, shows progress in like the release schedule coming up for this year with all of this new kind of, um, operational, um, stuff in place. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it sounds like everyone has something to offer, and like I think it's always good to bounce ideas off as many people as you see fit. Yeah, because I I try not to say people like show people shit where they're gonna just be like, yeah, this is awesome. Like I want people to poke holes in everything I do. Right. You know. So. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the the total purpose of it, and I love that because it just like it allows for an open conversation. It allows you to you know have different perceptions on the music not everybody has the same taste so it's cool to see just how you know people react to something that might be totally out of their wheelhouse or completely in their wheelhouse and like those different types of conversations that like revolve around that just like basic thoughts um and yeah yeah, and it's just like so that's been super super beneficial to to Edcon for sure yeah, that's exciting stuff. I'm going to have to dig through the cattle. I wrote down Lu- Lucy Dacus, and I'm going to have to check out... What were the other two from this year that you were recommending? Uh, Doe Eyes okay. and Thin Lear. Cool. Um, fantastic. And also, you should check out Clever Girls. Um, we also put out two of their singles this uh, past year. They're actually what I would say is like the first band I saw- I signed... I didn't, I didn't contract them specifically, but I did like bring them to the label by like creating, actually our relationship started at chamber when I booked them for a show. They're from Burlington, Vermont. And they were kind of like doing this little East coast tour. And I had them come play one of the blossoming of the wild pussy willows shows. I don't remember those, but, um, uh, where were those actually? I don't think I remember those those. were, those were, um, like, completely uh female or non-binary artists like bills um and uh yeah that we just came up with an outrageous name for that and uh (laughs) (laughs) uh you know i just like hung willows from the walls and stuff like that but um yeah cool yeah they came out for a show and i honestly was like so surprised that they showed up because i thought they like i just thought they were so good and i was like oh my god like this really cool band's like gonna come and i all the music that like i booked at chamber is all music I like which is also really incredible <laughs> to be able to literally just make shows that you would want to go to <laughs> yeah. so it was like so so cool so um yeah so I booked them and that kind of I think kicked off like our conversations and our relationship and possibility of you know working together in, in a more um fleshed out and official sense and then um probably you know a couple months later we signed them for two singles and now we're putting out their record um at the beginning of the year and it's so good i'm really excited about awesome. that 
I'm yeah. really excited about their record. Yeah. I really am. Isn't it great when you like work for bands that you love? Like, yeah. Just so <laughs> fucking stoked on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's really incredible. Like, uh, so doe eyes and clever girls also ended up in my like Spotify wrapped, like top songs of the year, even yeah. like not even, not even because I work with them, but because I like their songs so much. So like one or two of the songs I've been listening to so much, just like, <laughs> obviously ended up in there because I just either I had them on repeat a lot. Um, but yeah, definitely check all those people out and just, yeah, you know, keep a lookout for what we got, what we got hatching next year. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you're in a band too, right? Power lines. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I am in a band. We're called power lines and we actually just finished up our record. Got the masters like last week. So we're working on a really special rollout for that as our like first record. Yeah. Um, this is where your like experience will come in handy too. Oh yeah. I feel like I'm going to do a majority of the PR and <sighs> the PR and like rollout stuff. You myself. probably are. Yeah. I'm sure you will. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm like, as you can see, we're really thrilled about it. <laughs> Like I just, I get, I can so much more easily do that type of work for somebody that's not me. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's so interesting and weird how, uh, I can feel, I feel so much more compelled to do that type of work for other people. And like, uh, not me, like not my solo stuff. Like I took me until this year to even get in the studio on my own and like record my own songs. And then, you know, with the band, like, Ooh, I'm going to probably do it myself. But yeah, like just like thinking about doing it for myself is like even more agonizing than like, or just, it is agonizing versus like <laughs> me just on, on a weekly basis, like doing <laughs> that kind of work for my client, for clients. Like, uh, do you feel weird putting yourself out there? Um, I think so. I think as a performer and artist, I feel, always had a sense of insecurity which I think has stopped me from putting out work more um than I have but I feel like that kind of shell is cracking um is that another egg pun or was that just like oh my god wow it was I didn't even try (laughs) and I was related to myself (laughs) oh my god no that's good that's good though yeah it's good you're feeling more comfortable with I am I think yeah, I think I don't know. I I'm I, I definitely am too. I just scrutinize myself. I'm sure you might feel this way as a musician, just being like super nitpicky about a song or a part. Um, it's all I do. <laughs> yeah, and then you know you just work on that song for like eight thousand months, and like it maybe never comes out, and like yeah. And it's just, I don't know, you just judge yourself. And I i really am trying so hard. I mean, I try all the time, you know, to change that conversation with myself to like really, because there's so many people that are so supportive of me, of my band. And like, it's never enough to, to overcome the own internal dialogue. You know, it's like never enough, which is so unfortunate because of course, like getting good feedback from people you love just supporters like is so amazing but it really can't it really can't outweigh like your your own judgment of yeah the 
This, yeah, everything. Yeah. The coconut. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're obviously super talented, right? To have a song like, song, like worked with artists and been like widely received and things. So, but I get the idea that you're going to be most critical of yourself because you want to keep refining and stuff. But then eventually mm-hmm. you have to be like, no, this is cool. Let's like keep it. Yeah. yeah. That's part um, of the process. Oh yeah. I, I, I don't, I know it. You know, you have to like, yeah, really start believing in yourself because like, you know, I, I think people who just put their music out and you just have to be behind it. You have to be fully behind it for it to, to go farther. And I'm just trying to, like get behind myself more and yeah it's a process you're right fully yeah well i'm looking forward to that stuff and you know the more excited you are about it the more excited other people will be about it too yeah so, that's true <laughs> yeah all right well thanks for coming on we'll thank you so on. much for having me joe this is yeah. really cool <laughs> no it's cool to talk about all this stuff and you definitely get your perspective because like again i come from i don't know you have more experience actually doing like things that help artists in a lot of ways where for me, it's like, I'll just post about it. And like, I'm still learning. So I appreciate your insight with a lot of, stuff Oh yeah. Too, you know, sure. And you help artists. You definitely yeah, help. But I'm, I'm always, I always want to <laughs> thank you. I always want to like pick other people's brains about it too. Oh yeah. I love talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's so awesome. Yeah. I, I look forward to seeing more of your, your podcast and conversations too. Thanks. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, if you're listening, check out Egg Hunt Records, check out Deanna's music, check out Power Lines. And uh, thanks for listening. All right. Thanks.